It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you for joining us. It is September 11th, 2008 and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We appreciate you joining us and we hope you will take a minute to be a part of the program. You can join in in a couple of ways by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com or by dialing 877-381-4567. That's a toll-free number, 877-381-4567. You can use that number, or again, you can use your email and send us a note about our discussion tonight. We want to talk about the parent and child relationship on the program tonight, and we look forward to your comments on those uh, issues. Uh, the family is under attack in America today. And that parent-child relationship is not any exception to the fact that the family relationship is being attacked and uh, the traditional uh, parent-child relationship is under attack. We want to talk about uh, the relationship that God has outlined in his word, and we look forward to your participation in the program. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is in South Carolina preaching tonight. And in his place, we have some guests joining us to my right. Uh, Monty Overton is a member of the church here at College View. He's been here before. Monty, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. Good to be with you tonight. And my father-in-law, Nick Law, is here. He's been here before as well. Hello, Nick. Hello. It's good to be with you tonight. Thank you for coming, Nick. And also, and Nick is from Jennings, Florida, by the way. He's all the way up from Florida tonight, so he's a long way from home. Didn't come just for the virtual Bible study tonight, but it's an added benefit. And coming over from Fayetteville, Tennessee... My friend Eric Reynolds is here. Hello, Eric. Hello, Jacob. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming. About an hour, I guess, for drive for you tonight. Yeah, that's right. And I don't want my dad to get the big head. He might look at the, uh, the lineup tonight and think that there it takes three people to make up for him being gone. But uh, maybe we could just say that, it, that three people wanted to come when they found out he wasn't going to be here. We could look at it that way. We look forward to your participation in the program tonight. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We ask you three questions if you're on our update list Today, the questions are, what are some ex expectations a child should have of his or her parents? That was question number one. What should a child expect from his or her parents? And number two, what are some expectations a parent should have of his or her child? Let us know what you think a parent should expect from their children. And number three, what are an adult's responsibility to his or her parents? We believe that those responsibilities to our parents don't end when we turn 21 or when we move out of the house we believe that we have responsibilities to our parents throughout our lives we'll talk about that towards the end of the program so we'd like your comments on those three questions what should a parent a child expect of his parents what should a parent expect of their children and what are our responsibilities to our parents as we grow older and they do as well 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com eric as we look at the family and the world today and in modern media especially the the family is under attack and the traditional role where the parents are in charge of the family and specifically where there is a strong father who's leading the family, those principles and those concepts are under attack in the media today. Yeah, absolutely, Jacob. And, and I have four kids of my own, and it's very difficult to find uh, shows to watch or movies to rent, even things that, are, uh, that were made for children and that are aimed at, at being a family-type entertainment uh, very often have... Um, very disrespectful kids, and, and that's usually in the form of some, you know, them being humorous or uh, being basically what we would consider brats. But uh, usually the kids are the, the wise and knowing characters, and the, the parents are, especially the fathers, are often portrayed as being just a, a doofus and, and really not, you know, having a clue as to what's going on and then end up being the butt of the joke more yeah, often. So the parents make the rules, the kids challenge rules, and in the end the kids turn up to be right, the right ones for challenging those rules. Right, yeah, exactly. And, uh, Nick, I, I don't guess it's a new concept. Children have been doing that for a long time. I think uh, through the years we have seen the media uh, has been trained, uh, children have been trained from years ago that they could have what they wanted many times and, 
parents that have grown up that way have tried to give their children all the things that they didn't have and, and spoiled them worse than what they would be on their own. You know, that's true. And, Monty, that may be a result of the prosperity, the prosperous times that we live in now. Uh, parents want their kids to have everything that they want. They don't want to deny their, their children of anything. And that in, even comes into play when they're making decisions and rules for their children. If the kids uh, want to challenge that, then the parents just give in, and maybe it's a result of the self-indulgent society that we live in. Yeah, I think one of the problems we see is that just like we've heard the story of about someone that found a bird trying to hatch out of the egg and he was having a little bit of trouble, and so they chipped the egg off and helped it out, and then the bird, you know, wiggled around for a minute and died. It needed that struggle in order to give it the strength that it needed to survive in the world. And when we try to shelter our children too much and give them everything they want, they don't get that struggle that they need, and they don't they don't learn to be self-reliant, and then they don't. They're not the people that need to be because we pamper them and we shelter them from every little thing and we don't help them to grow. And part of our responsibility as our parents, as parents, is to help our children grow to be the people that God would have them to be. And Eric, you know, we talk about the self-indulgent society. Self-discipline and self-control are not uh, commodities that are very prevalent in our society today. As it seems that uh, we look around us and and we're, we see that there's not a lot of self-control, self-discipline on the part of adults, and so then it can't be translated to children either. Yeah, that's exactly right. That not that not very much understanding or respect for uh, working for something and, and waiting for it and being patient and saving and it's uh, we're definitely a society that wants to. Zero percent interest and have it right now, and, and we'll pay for it somehow later. And, and if, there's no reason if you want something that you, you shouldn't have it, and that definitely spills over into our families and the way that we raise our kids. That's right. Nick, no is not a popular word in our society. We don't tell our we don't tell ourselves no. We don't. We'll tell our children no, but if they want to challenge it, we say okay, go ahead and do it. We just don't like the word no. We don't like it religiously, and we don't like it in our families. It seems. That's correct, and so what we what we have is a society of people that are uh, out for material things and uh, heaping that upon themselves, and uh, the glorification or gratification I sh- should say that they get from that, and they don't have too much time for spiritual thinking. All right, the number to call is eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com. Remind you of the three questions that we've asked you specifically tonight. What are some expectations a child should have of his or her parents? What are some expectation a parent should have of his or her children? And what are our responsibility to our parents as we age? We'll get to that question about our responsibility to our parents after we have grown and we are adults towards the end of the program. But you can go ahead and join in on that discussion now. And we'll take any question or comment you may have about the family or any religious topic, any topic from the Bible tonight. If you have a question about it, we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at College View. Well, Monty, as we look at the relationship of children to their parents, there are some things that uh, children ought to expect from their parents. As a parent, uh, a parent has a job to do, and it's a monumental job. And children ought to expect their parents to perform on that job, and there's some some, some things that children should expect from their parents. Well, Jacob, one of the things a child should be able to expect from their parents is pure Bible teaching. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it talks about fathers to bring up their children in the training and admonition of the Lord. You know, so as a parent, our child should be able to expect us to be able to train them in that, which means we're going to have to understand what the training and admonition of the Lord is ourselves. We, we're going to have to apply ourselves to studying and knowing what God's will is and understanding it accurately so that we can teach our children accurately. So that's that's a responsibility that we have to ourselves to be obedient to God and know what his commandments are so we can do that. And then we need to lead by example and then apply ourselves to training our children that way so that we can be keeping the commands of God and teaching our children to do likewise. All right, that's uh, that's an excellent point there. You talk about bringing them up in the nurture and admission of the Lord. Uh, Eric, you've got four kids. You couldn't bring up your four children in the nurture and admonition of the art of ballet dancing. That's exactly right. You've I never, do you that. Don't, you've never no. done that. Right. So you could. there's no way you could train your kids at how to be ballet dancers. Not that anyone should want to do that necessarily as adults. But um, when we talk about bringing up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that means you've got to have some skill in that yourself. Right. That, yeah, that's right. And it's... Uh, um, it's something that, that not everybody has, has put the thought into that they should. A lot of times people think about and get a lot of emphasis to their uh, education that the kids get at school, and they're very involved in that, and they're very careful to make sure that it is what they think it should be. 
and uh, maybe they're very active in coaching them in Little League or, or being involved in these other ways, but sometimes people forget all about the most important thing that we can give them, this spiritual foundation that they, that they need so much to, to make the right choices in life. And uh, oftentimes that's just completely overlooked, and it may be as you're, as you're uh, getting at that, that that's something that the parent isn't strong in themselves and, and don't have the confidence or the, the uh, zeal to, to impress that. On Monty, Monty could, you, could you have trained your children in, in uh, maybe in the field of mathematics and calculus? No, I wasn't qualified to do that. You, I didn't you hadn't get, studied I calculus. I hadn't started, studied calculus. Right, so it would be impossible for you to, te- to teach your children calculus. Not until I'd learned it myself. And the same was true with God's Word. You can't tell your, teach your children God's Word, Nick, until you've studied it yourself. And so uh, parents then should have that extra incentive to want to study and learn God's will because not only do their souls depend on it, the souls of their children depend on it as well. If they if they're not skilled in in God's word and don't know it, they cannot uh, impart that knowledge to their children. That, that's correct. When we think about Peter in First Peter two and verse two, where he says, "As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby." So, as we think about our children, we want to see them grow in uh, mature as as uh, young people. We want to see them develop and uh, in order for that to get done, they have to be fed properly. And of course. A lot more important than that is the spiritual aspect of us uh, as parents. Uh, our children uh, need us, just like uh, David says. He, he served his own generation, and uh, the way we do that is by teaching our children so that the next generation can be taught. But So we have to have that desire to understand the Word and know the Word and in order for us to be able to instruct them in the right way. And they deserve that from us. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Please join in on the discussion tonight as we talk about the relationship of the parent and the child. It is under attack in our society today, and yet we believe the Bible has clear instructions on how that relationship should be structured and what it should entail. We believe the Bible tells us things that we should be doing in our lives, in all aspects of our lives. We think it tells us how the church should be operated and the, the work and the worship of the church. But we also believe it, it has instructions for how we ought to live our lives, and it is no different in the role of the parent and the child. And we're looking to what God's Word teaches about that relationship tonight. If you're just joining us on the program, we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. But, and, Eric, as we talk about the fact that parents need to know God's Word, there's really two reasons why at least. Uh, one is they need to know it so that they live the life that they should be living. Uh, and that will affect the whole uh, structure of the family, them knowing and, and applying God's will to their lives, and then also learning it so that they can teach it to their children who will need it in their families one day as well. Yeah, I've often thought that maybe one of the most damaging things that uh, especially a Christian parent can do to their children is to be a hypocrite because if if the children see that you know in one setting when you're around certain people you act a certain way and you talk a certain way and you maybe discuss bible topics and but then in when you're in a different setting and those people aren't around you all of a sudden you know those suddenly those priorities and those um you know those habits go away and now you you know talk a different way or act a different way what they see is that it's all a show and it's very hard for I think for children then to to get the right faith and belief that they should out of that. What they see is that this is just phony and it's fake, and and uh, you know dad doesn't really mean it. He's just acting that way. He only does this on Sunday. Right. Uh, yeah. That's a that's a terribly damaging thing. To and do. kids do the same thing that their parents do if that's the attitude that that's they have. A, right. Right. They learn how to mimic and to to put on the same show for people, but it's all uh, you know just on the outside. All right. And, Amanda, you brought up Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, where we're told to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You have two grown children. Uh, did any of the, your, did either of your children just go to God's Word and start studying it when they were got old enough to read? Uh, was that something that they did on their own, or did it take you leading them and bringing them up into that instruction? You know, as a family, we applied ourselves to, to trying to learn that. Uh, we homeschooled our children after they'd been to public school for a little while, and we decided we would homeschool them. And so we made an effort that one of the main subjects that we were going to have in our homeschool effort was a Bible study class. And I was, I've was i always been really pleased that as Tina carried them through that, uh, she done a verse-by-verse study of the whole Bible with our children. And, you know, too, there aren't too many people maybe, I won't say get the opportunity, but take the opportunity to do that. But not only that, as our children were older, and would be junior high or high school age. I remember the first year that College View had the uh, daily Bible reading calendar 
We'd done that as a family. Every night when I'd get home from work, we would sit down and we would go through that day's Bible reading together. And as the children got older and was working or had other activities, that didn't always work out the next year to be able to continue in that. But I felt that it was important, at least to begin with, that we sit down and, and read through the Bible together as a family that year. And I, and I think that was very helpful. But if we, hadn't, if we hadn't led by example and taught them that this is what you need to do, maybe someday somebody would have influenced them to be to want to study God's Word and become a Christian. But I don't know that in our society today that that would have been very likely. Yeah, that's right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We'll take a break. And on the other side of the break, we hope to continue the discussion, and we hope to take a question for or comment from you over email at questions at collegeview.com or over the phone at 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and this moment I invite you to participate in this program too. Gracias. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We appreciate you listening. If you're just joining us on the program tonight, we're talking about the parent-child relationship. We're talking about what children should expect from their parents, what parents should expect from their children. And uh, we'll get to later on in the program tonight, we want to talk about our responsibility and our relationship with our parents as adults as we grow older and our parents do as well. What are the relationships that God has uh, for, uh, given us instruction about in his word? We look forward to hearing from you on the phone or over email tonight with your questions or comments about the family relationship, which is under attack. And uh, sadly, it's under attack, Eric, because parents aren't doing their job in maintaining the family like it needs to be maintained. That's right. And Monty was making a great point right before the break about reading the Bible with his family on a daily basis. You know, and your children um, or our children can all tell what's important to us by what we talk about. Uh, if all we talk about is sports, if all we talk about is politics or our job, they know and they pick up from that. This is what's really important to mom and dad because that's what's on their mind. That's what we talk about at supper. That's what they hear us talking about with our friends. And uh, certainly the Bible should be um, at the top of that list. And when we read this uh, passage from Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 6 through 9, we, we notice the, the ideal setting and what should be going on in our homes, it's the same thing, really, that Moses was reminding them as he knew they were going into the land. He said, he gave them these instructions. Well, and he was giving them those instructions, no doubt, because of some of the distractions that would be there. They were going to prosperous land. They would have all kinds of abundance. They'd be living in nice houses, and it'd be very easy for them to forget God. And he warns them very explicitly, don't forget God where you're going. And this likely tied in with that instruction. That's exactly right. And he said, and these words I command you today shall be in, on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So we see that if you if you can imagine that scenario, it would be where the, the children would grow up being surrounded by God's word. Wherever they were, they would hear if they were getting up in the morning, if they were going to bed, if they were going to the store, if they were, you know, walking around the house. There's God's word was was they were just surrounded and immersed in it. And uh, what a what a great way then to build that faith. Now, Eric, though, you mentioned that uh, that passage. There are a lot of people today, though, who say they don't want to force religion on their children. They don't want to 
influence their children in religious matters at all. I see a different picture, though, presented there. God's instruction was you influence your children to follow him. You don't just leave it up to your children to, to find religion on their own. You give them God's word. You you drown them in that, Nick. You, you don't give them any other alternative. They are going to know God's word because God wants them to know his word. Yeah. If you have children, uh, you you make sure they don't get in water over their head before they can swim. You don't let them play in the street. You force them to do a lot of things, take medicine. And uh, so children don't have the wisdom or the experience to guide themselves. And uh, we have to teach them just like, uh, you know, they're, they're, they come into the world with some natural things like hunger. If they cry at night, it doesn't matter if you're sick or running a fever. If it's time for a bottle, they want one. <laughs> And so you need to train that in, in, a, in a proper way uh, that, that they should go. So we have to teach them by example, uh, sometimes even by force, if you will, to, to stay out of uh, electrical outlets and things of that nature so they don't get hurt. We're, we're very concerned about their physical safety and do all kinds of things, as you mentioned, Nick, to child-proof our homes, uh, to, uh, to watch them very carefully so they're not playing out in traffic, and yet some have the idea, Monty, that... We'll just let them do whatever they want to religiously, and they can walk right into the devil's traps, and we're not going to say anything about it. You know, I remember when I was younger, uh, first and second grade and all that, I wasn't particularly thrilled about going to school. And there was a lot of days I begged Mom and Daddy, please don't make me go to school today. There's one or two other people at this table who had the same opinion about school. But Maybe they, three other but, people. <laughs> but they forced me to go to school when I didn't want to go. Okay. So they, Because they seen that there was a benefit in that for me as a human in, that in our society that I needed to go learn certain things so I could function properly in our society. Well, it's the same. Our spiritual lives are far and away more important than whatever I might have ever learned or not learned in school. And, and to say, well, I'm going to just let my child have his way with that and he, you know, I'm not going to force it on him. Well, it, it's more important that he goes to heaven than it is that he goes to school. So I need to apply myself to making sure he has spiritual training. Because if I don't do that, I have failed him. In, in far and away more important ways than physical ways to ever be. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 tells us about uh, the need to train up our children. Mm-hmm. Uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And so that, that wasn't just a suggestion that parents ought to do that. That was a command. That was a command that God has given us that we're to train our children in the way they should go. And so we're to do that. But that training in the way they should go, it's not giving them the options of behaving in certain ways. We're to enforce that on them. This is how it's supposed to be, and now you do it. And, you know, we were talking just a second ago about the electrical outlets and, and things like that. Every parent um, who cares at all about their children understands the need to protect them from those dangers. And uh, But then sometimes, for some reason, as they get older and they become teenagers and even older than that, parents want to back off and then let them find out the hard way and, and, and you know, well, they need to experience that or it's something yeah. they're going to have to go through. Yeah. And yet we see, like, for, as an example, uh, in the Proverbs where uh, the proverbial writer is, is writing as a father to a son and giving him these instructions, he says in Proverbs six twenty seven through 29, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. What he's saying to his son there, in the same way that you would warn a three-year-old, don't touch this pan, it's too hot, you're going to get burned. And he's talking to his older son now, and he's saying there's other ways you'll get burned in life besides playing with an electrical outlet or touching a hot eye. And one of them is getting involved in fornication, getting involved in these sins. They're going to have the same and even worse effect as, as, as walking on hot coals or carrying something very hot close to you. But chapter 1 of Proverbs has a similar instruction in verse uh, in verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace about thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not, if they say with us, come with us, let us lie, wait for blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause, and it goes on. He says, don't do it. But there are parents, there are Christian parents today who would say, well, maybe you'll learn one of these days, son. You'll go through it, and maybe one of these days you'll come out on the other side, and you'll decide you want to follow the Lord. Instead of being like the proverb right here and say, don't do it, you don't have any business doing it, and we're not going to stand for it. And he does that but out of concern. He doesn't yeah. want him to get harmed. Right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We have a listener in Indiana tonight who says, I heard a lesson recently that stated good people do not necessarily make good parents. 
We might have good intentions and treat our children well and be good examples. Still, if we do not watch what they are, go- what they are doing and where they are going with their friends, we are failing to be good parents. Our children need us to be involved in their lives, even if they do not like it. I am not promoting stalking our children, but maintaining a surveillance attitude is required in order to keep track of their activities. Appreciate those comments and agree wholeheartedly that we've got to keep up with our children and uh, and and have a part in their lives, Nick. Yeah, in this modern technological age where children can have access to so much stuff right at their fingertips, parents need to be able to control and know what their children are doing with computers, televisions, and all the various media uh, opportunities that they have. All right. My- you know, one of the things that we talked about at our house was this is my house, and there's nothing in this house protected from me. Uh, I, I was potentially to go in my children's bedrooms and look through their uh, chest of drawers or their closets or through anything that they had or any mail that came to my house was potentially going to be opened by me. So they need to understand that. And I think that's an important thing because a lot of times the world today would teach us that, you know, that's the child's room and it's sort of sacred to himself and you shouldn't invade his privacy. There's nothing private from me at my house. I'm liable. To, and I think that's the attitude that we have to have in looking out for our children is that I'm liable to be anywhere at any time in this house looking through anything. So that way we can safeguard our children. And if they are getting into something that they're not supposed to be, then I'm potentially going to see that and correct that problem. Yeah, we had this exact same discussion in my house probably this past week. Uh, my 10 year old son is just getting old enough to start to feel like maybe he should have some privacy and have some of those uh you know, why are you butting in is I think was one of the questions he asked me that really had me sit him down and, and explain. You know, you need to understand my role as a parent is if it's going on in this house, I need to know about it and I want to, you know, I want to uh, be involved and understand what's going on. And, and uh, the, like you say, they're, 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 there's, I suppose there's times when they could have a conversation with their friends or whatever that we're not necessarily always eavesdropping uh, or stalking them as, as the as you're not, you're not tapping says. the phone line, right? But right. now, but to some extent, Eric, you have responsibility for what goes on in your house. That's right. Yeah. And if you if you allow an environment where your children can engage in sinful activities and do things that they shouldn't do, to some extent, God will hold you accountable for that. That's right. And so we need to understand that eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview dot com. Nick, uh, I was thinking back to my childhood when me and my brother would be in our rooms together and. It was almost like our mother could see through the wall. <laughs> we all, Maybe we she often, did. We often wondered, you know, we didn't have the, all the surveillance that you <laughs> might have available today. But uh, I, I recall getting up in the morning and, and us making a pact that we were not going to get into trouble that day. At least we thought that's what we were going to do. It wasn't long before she saw us doing something. We were you were do. you made a pact you weren't going to get in trouble. Not that you weren't going to do things you shouldn't do. All right, all right. and your mom was smarter than you were, thankfully. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. As we talk about our relationship with our our children and parents parents and children and their relationship. Question before us now is: What are some expectations a child should have of his or her parents? And the Coleman's in Hampshire, Tennessee, are listening tonight. And Cassie Coleman, the daughter there in the family, her expectation of her parents is we should know that our parents are always being truthful. And what do you guys think about uh, about that? That uh, parents or children should expect that their parents would always be truthful. I think of one good example in the Old Testament of um, of Jonathan. He's a, he seems to be an exceptional young man, and his father was Saul, and uh, Jonathan uh, seemed to have a lot of problem with his his father because Saul was not what he was when he started out being king. And uh, we see on several occasions where Jonathan, even though he's loyal to his father, it didn't seem that he could trust his father back when he and David were having the pact together and trying to find out what his father was doing. His father almost tried to kill him. So children shouldn't have to be concerned about their parents lying to them and unfortunately, there are many parents who uh, have not learned that lying is, is a wrong thing to do for, to, toward their children. Well, ch- parent, children should expect that their parents will be living like they should in every aspect of their life. And if, if they're telling their children to live for God and they're not living for God, then, then that's hip- hypocritical and should not be uh, acceptable. And so we appreciate Cassie for uh, her comment tonight. Thank you for listening. Out there, we have a comment from Cassie's father. We'll get to that in a minute on the other side of the break. But we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. 
Com. As we discuss the parent-child relationship on the program, look to God's Word for instructions on how that relationship should be structured. We look forward to your comments, and we'll continue right on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Jerry Fralix. I'm a member of uh, College of the Church of Christ here in Columbia, Tennessee, and I have a few words to say. Occasionally, we hear parents who say that they don't want to force religion on their children. These misguided folks think they're doing their kids a favor by letting them decide for themselves. They're afraid that there will be some resentment in their children later if religion had been crammed down their throats. If we may be absolutely blunt in response, that is one of the most ridiculous ideas anyone ever suggested. We force many things on our children. We insist that they bathe, brush their teeth, change their clothes, etc. We cram education down their throats by making them attend school regularly. We demand that they do their homework. We force them to eat good food, get adequate rest, and do other things that are important to their health and development. We do all of this because we know it is in their best interest, and we do it even when the kids don't like it. Why is it this such a common-sense approach is neglected by parents who are determined to let the kids decide for themselves when it comes to religion? Dr. James Dobson writes, There's a critical period when certain kinds of instruction are easier in the life of children. There is a brief period during childhood when youngsters are vulnerable to religious training. Their concepts of right and wrong are formulated during this time, and their views of God begin to solidify. The opportunity of that period must be seized when it is available. The absence or misapplication of instruction through that prime time period may place a severe limitation on the depths of the child's later devotion to God. When parents withhold indoctrination from their small children, allowing them to decide for themselves, the adults are almost guaranteeing that the youngsters will decide in the negative. God's Word has always taught us the truth on the subject. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6 Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We do appreciate you being a part of it. We look forward to your participation at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we would encourage you to come and worship with us to find out what it is that we're all about. We meet on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for a period of Bible study with classes for all ages, followed by a period of worship. And then on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, we meet for another period of worship. On Wednesday evenings, you can meet with us on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For another period of Bible study. We look forward to you joining us at the College U Church of Christ. If you're listening to the program in a podcast version, you may have never been to our website. Our website is collegeview, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E dot com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can find out more information about us there. And we want to remind you of a special series of meetings that will be coming up at the College U Church of Christ next week during our regular times on Sunday, and then our actually a early service on Sunday afternoon at 2.30, and then on throughout the week at 7 p.m. each week, Monday through Friday, James Hahn will be here, and we'll have a special series of lessons. You'd be welcome at any of those services. We'll remind you about that towards the end of the program, hopefully, but we want to encourage you to come and worship with us if you are in our area to find out more about the College U Church of Christ. We're talking about the parent-child relationship on the program today, and we are looking at the Bible's numerous instructions on how that relationship should be structured. We talked extensively, guys, about how we should be bringing up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, teaching them His will. Don't leave it up to our children to find their way on their own, but to insist that they know and learn about God's Word. And one passage you referenced, uh, Eric, was Deuteronomy chapter 6, where that Word should be written in our houses and uh, be everywhere, immersing our children in God's Word. And uh, later on in the in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, there's an, a vital uh, characteristic about God's Word that's presented there. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24. And I think this may be one reason why parents are failing in their job of teaching their children God's Word is because they don't fully believe Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24, a principle about God's instructions, where we read, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear our Lord our God for our good always, they might preserve us alive as it is at this day. Eric, God's instructions in his word are for our good always, and there are too few parents who believe that. There are too few parents that are looking to God's word to find his instructions and find all of his instructions and to be obedient to every one of them 
because they truly have the faith that God's instructions are for our good always. If we had more parents who understood that, we'd have more parents who were teaching that will to their children because they would know it would be for their good as well. You know, Jacob, it talks about in the next verse, in verse 25 there, when he's just got through time and observing all these statutes, commandments that God has given us. And he says, then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Well, if we study through the Bible, we understand that it's the righteous persons that are going to go to heaven. The wicked people aren't going to heaven. It's the righteous that are going to heaven. And so here it tells us what it is, to what we have to do to be righteous. We have to be careful to study and observe carefully all these commandments that God has given us. All right. We have an email from Don in Antioch, Tennessee. Don says the comments that parents shouldn't lie to their children are very interesting, especially since most parents start out lying to their kids from the moment they are born up until the parents finally get caught. Of course, I'm talking about Santa Claus, but I guess most people, including Christians, will just say I'm silly bringing this up. Appreciate, uh, Don, for listening tonight and for that comment. Uh, certainly, we have to be truthful in every aspect of our life. I would agree with, with uh, Don about uh, Santa Claus and, and other Tooth Fairy and other things that are simply fabrications um, that we need to be careful. Those are simple things. And if we are willing to lie about that, it calls, causes our children to doubt everything that we've told them. Well, go ahead, Eric. Yeah, certainly, and, and uh, I think many of us grew up, you know, believing in Santa Claus, and, in, and in, it didn't shatter our faith. And so, I, it's not necessarily the case, but it's certain. I, wor- I worried about that as a parent, and so I decided early on to, to be very careful to be always, you know, truthful and and to distinguish between fairy tales and uh, you know things that are fun to imagine that we might read about in a book. And things that are in the book that are truth, because there's a lot of things in the Bible that are that are you know it, it it's, takes a stretch of the imagination to even picture in your mind what's going on. It could be easily confused as a fairy right. tale, yeah. And we want the kids to accept that as a fact and a reality, and is something that that really really happened. And we need to distinguish between God's truth and fairy tales for sure. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview.com. Thank you for listening tonight, Don. And thank you for that comment. The Petrochko family is listening in Columbia, Tennessee, and Emma. The daughter says that parents should be understanding. They should not be afraid to punish their children, and they should be consistent. Appreciate, Emma, for that. Maybe self-condemning admonition to parents that they should be uh, willing to administer punishment. So Emma may be the recipient of that, but we appreciate her for, uh, for calling that out. She expects her parents will be punishing her. Probably because Emma knows many of the passages in the Bible that tell us that parents should be administering discipline to their children. Monty? You know, if you look in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13, uh, the scriptures tell us, Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. So the, the Bible teaches us that we are to, to give that corrective discipline to our children. Uh, it also tells us, as Moses was going through, as we were discussing in Deuteronomy a while ago, when he was giving instructions about basically immersing ourselves in the, and immersing our children in the Word of God, he talks also when he was giving the law about correcting them. He says, you know, when your child does something that's wrong, you need to rebuke them for that. You need to tell your child when they're messing up and explain to them what's happening. And then when it gets beyond that, when you've told them better and that doesn't work, then you have to punish them. And the Bible uses the word beat them with a rod. Uh, that's not a particularly popular phrase, especially politically correct, I guess, might be a term we'd use today. It's not that, but it's what the Bible says. So God wants us to, when we use that corporal punishment, as it's called, to do it in a manner that's effective to get our child's attention, to let them know that you know, you've gone far beyond what's acceptable, and now we've got to get you back to that point. And the Bible tells us that it's to save our children's soul for hell, from hell. It's not because we enjoy going around beating our children, but we have a, a goal in that is to save their soul from hell. I just figured out why I was having trouble hearing you tonight. I've been turning up my microphone whenever I had trouble hearing you. So I was getting louder, and you were staying the same. So I think we've got it fixed now. But the Bible is got numerous instructions, Eric, on how we should be disciplining our children and even using corporal punishment, which is really taboo in our society today. Yeah, but it, but in contrast to the popular culture, which says that if you respect your child and you want them to be healthy, you need to you know never um, spank them or, or do anything like that because you're teaching them the wrong kind of values. It, that's man's wisdom. What God's wisdom in Proverbs thirteen twenty four says: Whoever spares the rod hates his son. 
but whoever loves him is diligent to discipline him. So what we've got to do is decide who understands better the way we should be parents, God or the, the world around us. And, and if, if there's any doubt in your mind about that, just take a step back and look at how kids turn out that are raised according to the wisdom of the world, how respectful they are and obedient. Um, you could ask any school teacher uh, these days, you know, what the children are like compared to when we were all even in school not that many years ago. There's been a huge change, and uh, that's mainly because I think the, the influence of man's wisdom. Yeah, you could talk to any person that's in authority. Uh, uh, the other day I was listening to, uh, in Florida, one of the sheriffs uh, that's running for an office, and he was discussing about the problems that they were having with uh, people, uh, how the how the parents were not disciplining the children, and how, the, of course, the authorities, they can't control all the children. Uh, there's, so many, there's so many more of them than they are uh, of the authorities, but... Uh, he, he was talking about what I remember when I was a child. If I went to school and the teacher had to discipline me and they'd send a note home, my parents would have disciplined me again when I got home. Not today. And, and the, and the uh, scripture there that Monty read just a moment ago, it does say to strike them. Uh, and, and certainly the stubbornness of a child needs to be driven from them. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ways you do it. Some children are, are more, uh, if you were to speak to them, they would... Uh, be able to be corrected just by speaking to them, and others uh, are more, uh, shall we say, hard-headed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then just as your uh, the email there, uh, I, don't, I can't see it, so I don't remember the, the name of the person, but said, mentioned with consistency or something, some words. Yeah, that was that Emma in, in Columbia. Right. Thanks, Emma, for that, because I think maybe that's what Paul is getting at, in, uh, or it may be related in Ephesians 6, where he says in verse 4, uh, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There is a way to be a parent and and to have the effect of provoking our children to anger. He, in a parallel passage in Colossians 3, verse 21, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And um, as we've as we've uh, emphasized the need for various types of punishment up and in, in including a corporal punishment that has to be done in a way that's instructive and it's consistent, that they understand the purpose of it, that they you know, they know what they've done is wrong and it has to be done in a way that's loving and, you know, the truth is taught along with it. Um, otherwise, if it's just, you know, today you get a spanking, whereas yesterday you just get yelled at and tomorrow maybe nothing will happen. Uh, the effect of that, I think, would be to provoke them just to resentment. And As anger. adults, we expect to have our objectives clearly laid out, money at work. We know what is required of us, and if we don't fulfill those requirements, we can expect consequences. But if uh, the boss were to come up to you, money, and get on to you for not cleaning the bathrooms when you've not ever been told to clean the bathrooms at work, then you would be frustrated and you'd be discouraged as a result of that. Whereas if he told you something that you weren't doing that you he told you very specifically this is part of your requirements at work I expect you to do this every day if he comes to you and 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 scolds you for that you ha- you could expect that but him to require things of you that he has not uh, expressed to you that would be frustrating and uh, confusing to you you know quite often when you uh, take on a job. Uh, your employer will give you your list of responsibilities in writing. He'll put it on a piece of paper. This is what your job description is, and this is what's expected of you. So that way we all understand what the rules are that you're supposed to go by. Most places will give you an employee handbook that tells you what the general rules of the, the company are. Well, we should do our children the same way. We should make our instructions to them clear so and, that, consistent. and consistent so that they understand what's required of them, that we understand that they understand it, we make it clear, and then we be consistent in enforcing those requirements. All right. We need to hurry because we're letting the, chil- the parents or the children off the hook here. We need to talk about what parents should expect of their children. But quickly, uh, Stephen in Pennsylvania writes, I think here, I think some of the expectations that a child should have of his or her parents are that they need to be role models. Things that can benefit a child and what they can learn from their parents include how to love their spouse, how to be a father or mother, how they act toward their neighbors, how they act toward governing authorities, how they handle stressful situations, etc. As as Christians, our lives are all-encompassing. Although we are not perfect, parents not only need to be an example for their children, but everyone in the world. And so we appreciate those good comments from Pennsylvania tonight and for you you're listening to the virtual Bible study. We need to hurry and talk about uh, children and uh, what parents should expect of their children. The number to call is 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Quickly, before we uh, 
we get off of that. Well, I think we have a differing opinion here, um, or maybe not. Uh, we have uh, Kimberly in Cookville, Tennessee. She she says, we tell our kids that Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny are cartoon characters like Scooby-Doo or Snoopy. We've explained to our children that they are not real. We do not lie to our children. That is situation ethics, which is wrong. When we give gifts, we tell them these gifts are from us to our kids or from our kids to us. When strangers ask them what Santa Claus is going to bring you, our kids answer, Mommy and Daddy, give us gifts. And so Kimberly is uh, agreeing with uh, the comments so far about to being honest to your kids about uh, even... Uh, Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. So we appreciate those comments tonight. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. On to the parents. What should parents expect from their children? Monty? Well, if you look in Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, it says that children are to obey their parents, for it is well-pleasing to the Lord. So I think a parent should and must, because this is a command from God for children to obey them, a parent should expect their children to obey them in the commands that they give them. But I think it's also important that we understand that the parents are supposed to be given proper commands that will be pleasing to God also. We can't command our children to do things that we know are wrong and then expect them to obey us. All right. We need to go to a quick break. But before we do that, Jack in Hampshire, Tennessee, who is also Cassie's father, who gave us a good comment about parents being truthful. Jack uh, writes in and says that parents should expect their children to know God's word and be obedient to his will. If we do not have this expectation, why should they aspire to know God and be obedient? Children rise to our level of expectation, and our expectations should be high or above the world's standards. Our expectations must be in alignment with God's desires. And we appreciate uh, Jack for that comment. He expects his children to know God's word, and that should be an expectation of every parent we want to hear from you 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com we've got a lot of ground to cover on the other side of the break and we do want to get into the question of how should our relationship to our parents change and what should be our responsibilities to our parents as we grow into adults we'll get to that question hopefully on the other side of the break don't go anywhere we'll be right back after this these guys are doing all of the talking we need to hear from you call in now the virtual bible study continues right after this Hello, my name is Trent Haynes, and I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. In a scanning of the book of Proverbs, it provides us several reasons to discipline our children. To show you don't hate them, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Chapter 13, verse 24. To give them hope, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Chapter 19, verse 18. To help them for a lifetime, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not turn from it. Chapter 22, verse 6. To chase away foolishness. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Chapter 22, verse 15. To save his soul, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. Chapter 23, verse 13 through 14. For your own comfort, discipline your child, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Chapter 29, verse 17. Parents need to read and understand these passages, so too should our children. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're going to go to the top of the hour talking about the parent-child relationship. We're focusing on the children now and their relationship with their parents and what parents should expect of their children. Plenty of time to take your emails or your phone calls, so join in on the discussion. Tonight, we've talked about the fact that uh, children should obey their parents. This is a right thing to do. Uh, this is what God expects of us, Monty, as children, to obey our parents. That's right. In Ephesians chapter 6, as we read verses 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So we understand that God says it's the right thing for you to do as a child to obey your parents. But then he goes on further and he says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on earth. And I think that honor there, it's it's a word that carries a connotation with it that's above and beyond just obeying our parents. When we think of honor, one of the first things we think of is honor is that we're going to live our lives or conduct our lives in a way that brings praise or, or glory. We're to honor God also and we're to glorify God. So we should live in our lives in a way that when people... Talk about me that they can, they can, um, that it brings honor to my parents, that it's not something that my parents are ashamed of. I mean, the book of Proverbs talks about that repeatedly, not living in such a way to bring shame to our parents, but to bring honor to them. 
And so I think that's a very important concept. And then also Jesus talked and rebuked the Pharisees for not honoring their parents. And it wasn't that, uh, I don't think necessarily the manner of life in that regard, was that their parents had needs that the Pharisees were neglecting. They weren't providing for them as they should have. So there's a lot to this concept of honor that we can discuss. All right. Uh, first off, Eric, uh, the, the, the instruction there is that it is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise that he's talking about there? That you may live, that may go well with you, and you may live long on the land. That was uh, long in the land. That was the. Uh, that, that goes back to Exodus chapter twenty and right. Ten Commandments. Okay, all right. And so, there's benefit. There was benefit in the Old Testament. There's benefit to us today as well to honor our father and mother. Uh, what are we talking about there though, when we talk about honor? Some of the things that Monty mentioned. You want to touch on any of those? Well, another verse that that maybe adds to that is in um, Leviticus nineteen three. It says, "Every one of you shall revere." His mother and his father, you shall keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. The word revered there in the Hebrew means to fear, be afraid, stand in awe of, um, reverence, honor, respect. So um, certainly there's the way that we live, and then there's just a general attitude that we should have toward our parents that that is uh, that lasts our whole life. There's no end to that. That doesn't end when we get to be 18 and now we think we can think for ourselves. We, there should be a, a respect and an honor for our, our, our parents as well. Nick, what do you think about uh, honoring our parents? Yeah, uh, I think it was already mentioned, but uh, we have a name that we we wear as Christian, and we try to honor Christ and God by as we wear that. And of course, children uh, we bring into the world they 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 are brought up under our name, and so children should honor their parents and and all that goes with that. Uh, sometimes parents uh, are not very uh, spiritual, but at the same time, the very fact they're they're our mother or father. Uh, we ought to give honor to that, just like we give honor to the king, even though he may not be a righteous man. The Bible teaches those things, and that's a responsibility that a Christian needs to have, and that's what a parent should expect from the child or child so, really owes to the parent. So a child couldn't excuse themselves from honoring because of the character of their father or mother. That's correct. They're still your parents. They're still your mother and father, and there ought to be that honor for them as your parent. Eric? I agree. You agree. Okay, all right. Monty, uh, what, what kind of things can we do to honor our father and mother? Well, I think the most important thing we can do to honor our father and mother is to live our lives as a Christian. That, that to me, would be the ultimate honor that I could give my parent, to live in a manner that's pleasing to God. And that would be a good reflection back toward my parents, implying that they had raised me in such a way that I would do that. Well, the book of Proverbs is full of uh, the, uh, instructions that say where the children is not, child is not living as he should, he's a reproach to his mother. And so mm-hmm. not bringing honor to, to the parents by not living as we should, Eric. Yeah, and another way, and this was already touched on just a little bit, especially in the Mark 7 passage where Jesus is chastising the Pharisees, uh, for not taking care of their parents. Notice what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.4. If a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. So this idea of honor also carries with it this uh, idea that sometimes we need to give back and make a return to our parents. And often that happens as they get older in age and they have needs and and that, that's included, I think, in this concept of this idea of honoring our parents. All right. Uh, what kind of things would we provide then for our parents, uh, Nick? Well, I, I think uh, I, I was thinking on another thought at the moment, but okay, I was thinking ahead, of the example of Eli. I believe Monty brought this up before we began the study. You remember Eli in the Old Testament, uh, his sons did not honor their father. And, uh, of course, we were talking earlier about how that a parent has a responsibility to rebuke their, his children regardless of whether they're in his home or if they're out of the home, if they're not following God. But we can see the dishonor that was brought upon him, and, and the the end of his life was a very sad one uh, due to their uh, lives they had lived. And and so we need to think about what what are we doing, uh, certainly to God first, and then and to our parents when we fail to give that respect and honor. And parents deserve that, having brought us in the world. None of us asked to be born, and yet we're all here, and, and we're... we're we should be thankful that we have the opportunity to serve God while in this world in order to be with him through eternity. All right. We have time to take your call or your email. If you hurry, questions at collegeu.com, 877-381-4567. Monty, any thoughts? Well, you know, when we think of Eli, uh, it talks about God condemned them condemned him because his children were misbehaving and these were grown men that had wives and and children of their own and so we have that responsibility as parents 
to correct our children at any time in their life that they're doing wrong. And we see here that those sons of Eli had a responsibility to receive that correction and change when it's pointed out the error of their way, but they didn't do that. So it's very important, I think, that our children understand that just because we don't live, they don't live in our house anymore, that part of that honoring they have to do to us is listen when we're correcting them and correct that misbehaviors in their lives certainly eric uh, maybe the the relationship changes somewhat as far as the obedience goes but if we honor our, par- our parents we'll respect their wishes and their desires for us um, and we would want to be accommodating to uh, their desires yeah there's it's a that's an interesting topic and there's there's um there's certainly i guess two ways to look at that one if you think of eli's sons and and what is interesting by the way just to point out in first samuel chapter two eli does rebuke them yeah um but it, what the feeling you get is it was either too little too late or um, maybe in his role as high priest, he had even a stronger uh, duty to put a stop to what they were doing because they were defiling the temple. So even above and beyond just telling them no, he should have forcefully kept them from, from uh, doing what they, were, what they were doing. But now going back to this idea of the, the role of parent to child as they get older, uh, as you leave your father, your father, mother, and cleave to your husband, and the two become one. That new family then it breaks away and away from that, um, you know, the oversight of the parents, in the, in that they make some of their own life decisions and decide where to go and, and all those kinds of things. And of course, with honor, you respect your apparent your opinion of your mom and dad. Um, but if things come up that have to do with sin. And, uh, you know, that there's some correction in that regard. Like Eli's son, certainly that would be appropriate. And you would think the parents would hopefully be the first ones to go to them and say, look, you've, you know, you're way off track here and, and, and try to bring them back just as you would any brother or sister in Christ and, and correct them from the error of their ways. All right. Nick, you've been looking at some, something there. You've got something on your mind. Well, I was thinking about uh, in the church, when we think about church discipline, we see that sometimes uh, the the family members can have the greatest influence upon one another, and yet many times Christians are reluctant to administer the corrective discipline that is required when when uh, either either one steps out of line, whether it be parents or child. Okay, so as even as as Christians, if we see anybody, especially our children, we'd have a responsibility to correct that error in their lives. That's correct. And as children, though, we always need to be honoring our father and mother, even at an older age, as you mentioned, Eric. Providing for their needs as uh, as they age, maybe there are uh, extensive health related uh, necessities that we, as their children, can provide, and we need to be prepared to do that. That's how we honor our parents. Right, and Paul, it's just a foregone conclusion, basically, that if there's children or even grandchildren, they should be the ones to step up to the plate instead of letting up, backing away, and then letting other people like the church. Uh, take on that burden for themselves. It, that really belongs to their physical family first and foremost. That's I believe you're referencing First Timothy chapter five. Five, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, certainly some good comments uh, f- to consider tonight. Uh, we appreciate uh, you listening to the program, Eric. Thank you for coming from Fayetteville tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jacob. You're almost the longest distance participant tonight, but Nick from Florida got you beat. Thank you for coming to the program tonight. Thanks Nick. for having me on again. And Monty, you didn't travel as far, but we do appreciate your time as well. Well, it was an honor to be here with you tonight. We appreciate your time. We uh, want to remind you about the special series of lessons that will be coming to, uh, to you from the College of Church of Christ this coming week, beginning Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m., and then Sunday afternoon at 2.30 p.m. beginning, and also throughout the week, every night, uh, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m., James Hahn from Indiana will be here, and he'll be proclaiming to us God's Word, and we hope you'll come and bring your Bible and study along with us if you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area. If you need directions to our meeting place, you can find out more by visiting our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com, or you can call us anytime throughout the week at 877 381 Four five six seven. We hope you will take a minute and join us if you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area at our special series of meetings next week, beginning on Sunday. And we'll remind you on Thursday evening, you can be a part of the Virtual Bible Study Live. We'll uh, set up some chairs and you can watch us uh, do the Virtual Bible Study Live next Thursday if you'll come and visit with us then. We appreciate you listening to the program tonight. If you have any questions or comments about the things you've heard on this program, or any previous editions of the Virtual Bible Study, we would encourage you to contact us. You can contact us by, via phone or via email anytime. And if you have any questions or comments and things you'd like to discuss with us further, we would love to study with you from the pages of God's Word. 
We hope you benefited from the time you spent with us in the study of God's Word tonight, and we look forward to you being a part of the virtual Bible study again next week. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.